0: to the Chuck Shoe Podcast. My guest today is Mark Torian from the Bullet Boys. So Mark's actually had a really long career in the music business. It actually started with him playing in a band signed to Motown Records. And then he was briefly Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist, which I didn't know. Uh, then he was also the guitarist for Rat, which I also didn't know. And then he sang for a band called King Cobra. You might remember them uh, from the 80s. They had a song on the Iron Eagle soundtrack before he was in the band. Um, And then, of course, uh, Mark went on to start the Bullet Boys, and he's been in that band ever since 1987. Uh, The first record they had went gold. They had videos on MTV, songs on the radio, tours with Poison and Ozzy, all this stuff. Uh, And many of the original members left the band in the 90s, but Mark stayed with it. Uh, And the original lineup actually just recently reunited, but then, of course, COVID happened. So tours on hold, but uh, Mark did mention that there are plans in the works for the band, Um, And he just had a lot of great stories to tell uh, with everyone involving uh, Motley Crue, Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters. I mean, he's a great storyteller and a fun guy to talk to. So enjoy Mark Torian. Hello? Hi, is this Mark? Yes, it is. Hi, this is Chuck Shute from the Chuck Shute Podcast. How's it going?
1: Hi, Chuck. How are you, my brother? How are you doing?
0: I am great. Great. So, yeah, I didn't realize... Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we, I had a, uh, a guest, Troy Patrick Farrell, on my show. I didn't realize he was actually in The Bullet Boys, so you must know him, right?
1: Yes, actually. He was uh, playing for a little bit. Yeah, he was a pickup drummer that we picked up for uh, some shows. Absolutely.
0: That's very cool. Yeah, so we probably have some more connections that we'll uh, figure out here in a minute, because I want to go through your whole career, if, that, if you don't mind, because uh, you've had an amazing career.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah.
0: So you actually let's start back in the it, it's beginning. Been, it's
1: been quite. A, it's, it's been quite a long one. I started. I started in this game when I was about seven years old. So. Yeah.
0: yeah then, <laughs> your your father. It for a minute. Your father played in an orchestra and your mother sang and she would have you uh uh go go do shows at a very young age like schools and things like that right.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And then you grew. You also uh, you did a lot of surfing and skateboarding. You grew up in California. So you had the California life, like kind of like what I always dreamed of, like Nano and O and Saved by the Bell, that kind of stuff. Uh,
1: well, you know, we had the, um, Alley County California life. I grew up in a in a small town called Montebello, in Los Angeles. Um, pretty much, uh, pretty much close to you know, in the hood, and yeah. uh, it, you know, it's, uh, I grew up skateboarding and surfing, and uh, you know sports and everything else. California is always uh, a very, uh, you know, it's a skater community and surfing community here. So when you're kind of born here, you either get involved in that kind of thing, or you get involved in some other things that aren't, aren't um, probably very good for you. <laughs> sure.
0: Sure. Yeah. So at what point, how old were you when you were signed? to? I didn't know this, uh, did my research. You were signed to a band called Cagney and the Dirty Rats and it was on Motown. It was a Motown record. You played uh, guitar and sang for this band.
1: Yes, I did. Yes, I sang um, on many tracks on that record, and um, I was signed uh, by Motown and my, and at a very young age. Probably, I'm I'm guessing right now about about nineteen, twenty. Okay, around there, twenty-one. Um, it was uh, one of the greatest experiences, and still so is the greatest experience of, what, of my of my career. I was very fortunate to be signed by. Um, Kerry Ashby Gordy Jr. and Benny Medina, uh, for, uh, to Motown Records and by the chairman himself. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because I just basically, uh, recently reconnected with Carrie Gordy and we're going to be working with each other on some, on some endeavors and, oh, uh, fun. be working with each other in the future. I just love him to death and he's so much fun and, you know, Motown, um, was extremely uh, how would you say uh, it was an extremely educational time musically for me um, I learned so much there at Motown um, from the beginning on that I really didn't have any idea about um, so I was being part of the Motown family uh, to me is uh, it's the most heartwarming experience that you possibly could imagine yeah. <laughs> me, as a as an you know, and to be part of that family, um, you know, on Cagney's Dirty Rats, um, we also had, you know, The Temptation sang on that record. Right. Junior Walker played horn. Smokey Robinson was a part of it. Uh, Rick James was a part of yeah. it. at uh, So, Ed Riders. Um, and it was just this magical time where Benny and Carrie wanted to get together, this, you know, funk rock thing, you know? Hmm. And um, they had the... Um, uh, I would, they had the, uh, how would you say it, the vision for it. And at the time I was doing, other, I was doing something else. I can't, I had, the timetable is a little confusing to me right yeah. now, but I, I got a call from the lead singer, who was uh, Steven uh, Santiago. And he said, listen, I'm working on this thing, working on this project at Motown and I mentioned your name. And there's some songs in this album that's really not in my wheelhouse. And I think it would be great singing these songs. And playing on this thing, would would you be interested in it? And I was like, wow, this sounds really strange, but it, it sounded like um, a challenge, It's really challenging to me uh, musically. And I said, I'm in. You know, so I met the fellows, and we worked diligently. I, um, I was just talking to Carrie about that. I said, you know, y'all taught me how to how to really rehearse. She goes, I know.
0: <laughs> so did you grow up idolizing Those people like Smokey Robinson and Rick James Or were you more oh into rock God, or, yeah. or both Or all that stuff yes.
1: Or I grew up idolizing anybody that was on Motown. Okay um, Anybody that was uh, You name it Stevie Wonder um, Smokey Robinson The great Marvin Gaye uh, Michael Jackson, Jackson 5 Junior Walker, The Temptations um, uh, I mean I could go on and on and on Um, Mary Wells oh my gosh uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips Gladys Knight is still one of my favorite vocalists of all time still
0: yeah so when when you first came moved from uh, Montebello to Hollywood I heard you tell this story uh, that one of the first bands that you met was Motley Crue it was at the Rainbow and uh, you got to tell this story because it didn't start out so well because at the time people have to remember back in the early 80s you said that there there was not a lot of Hispanic people in Hollywood at the time. So when you nope. showed up at the Rainbow, Motley Crew was not happy to see you there, or
1: no, not very happy to see me there, or <laughs> my <laughs> or or my, or my a couple of my Chicano brothers that were coming up from Montebello at the time. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a very strange time back then. You know, I would like to say now before I say what I'm going to say, um, some people find it very difficult to understand the story.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm here to tell you the story that what happened after that, I became very, very close with this band. Yeah. And they kind of took me underneath their wing and, you know, realized that I was this this musician that they had heard about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they they were hard, man. They were mm-hmm. a Hollywood band. and The band was Motley Crue. Um, I, I remember it was like, it was yesterday, back in the day, um, we would all get together at the rainbow. I was very young. Um, I probably wasn't addressed to the, to the hills that a lot of Hollywood bands were at that time, you okay. know, coming from the inner cities. And, uh, we, we our home, um, for my band called Tor, uh, Terrain was, um, the, uh, um, I'm sorry, the Troubadour. Mm-hmm. So we would play a lot of shows out of my high school band at the Troubadour. Uh, so we would, uh, it was never like we were, you know, a Hollywood strip band. Um, we would come and sit on the uh, on the sidewalks right next to Gussari's, pass out our flyers, you know, and uh, one day we were, I was really excited because I really, I really wanted to meet this band called Motley Crue because they were, you know, we were from the Pasadena, Monterey Park, Montebello area and we, you know. it it trickles down into there's this band Motley Coo. You got to go see this band. These guys are, you know, these guys are amazing. It's an amazing band. So we walk in, you know, to the rainbow parking lot one day and I see this guy with white blonde hair, big giant stiletto boots on, and he's leaning up against the, um, um, the brick wall. That was, uh, there was no tables or anything outside. It was just like a brick wall, kind of like with Ivy and stuff. And, you know, and here's, here's me, you know, I'm, I'm just completely wet behind the ears. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out the three of us in in this band that, you know, playing, and we were playing back to our parties, you know, to like a thousand people capacity. Yeah. You know, we were really drawing a lot of people in the, um, in the San Gabriel Valley um, backyard party scene. <clears throat> so people that kind of knew about us or me and we're doing our shows and I come walking up and I remember Sammy, my, my bass player, Sam Moreno, Shout out to Sammy, Uh, who's a retired uh, Los Angeles police detective. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) just just incredible guy. But he—I'm going to mention Sammy's name because um, Sammy was very influential, uh, showing me different artists and musicians. We would sit and listen to vinyl at his home all day, Hmm. and he constantly—you know—you got to listen to this, you got to listen to this. You know, and me and him were big David Bowie fans. So we're like, "Oh my God, we both love Bowie!" You know, yeah, so, you know, we're all about that. And you know, the, the artists that that maybe some of the high the people that we knew really weren't into. We had a very strong punk, very punk rock roots. I mean, we used to go see Fear together and and uh, Circle Jerks. and wow. you know, Backyard Park you know, we we all of, all of that. So so, hence back going back to the scenario. So. And, and this is a hard story for me to tell because um, I didn't think of myself the way Hollywood thought of people with skin color. Yeah. Did you have time.
0: blonde hair at the time uh, too or did you have the dark No. No.
1: Nope. Okay. I had yeah my natural, which I have now, natural dark hair, you yeah. know, very, very skinny, but skinny as a toothpick, wearing the tightest pants I possibly could <laughs> with my high top tennis shoes. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. try, you know, it's just trying to, Right, yeah, they come walking up and, and we're there. And, and, and Sammy turns around and he goes, I think that's the lead singer from Hollywood. And we're kind of talking, kind of pretty close to him. And he goes, Hey, go, I go, hey, what's going on? He goes, Beaner, go home. We wow. don't need Beaners in Hollywood. Go home, get the fuck out of here. Jeez. And we were just like, Did he actually fucking say what I did? How he just said, and no, listen. You're talking to two tough guys from the the inner cities. We didn't play no games either. You know what I'm saying? Right. We were not the Hollywood people, but we took quite offense to that. Uh, Yeah. We're just like, well, what the fuck did you just say? So it was getting ready to get started. He goes, you know, you heard what I said. And out of nowhere, this guy comes walking around, kind of looking insane, dark hair, black bangs. And, you know, and he comes up, he goes, you heard what he fucking said we don't need beaners in Hollywood. We need to go home and let back, get the fuck out of here, beaner. So I was like, whoa, whoa. So all of a sudden, then it got tense. And then my, my family, was so punk rock, he was just like, and who the fuck are you? Cause you're going to get the fuck knocked out right now. And Dave Salcedo, my drummer, who was part of a little gang in, in, in the, on the South side of Town, he wasn't playing that. Yeah. So, there was, a, there was tension there. And then out of nowhere, this, Big, tall angel comes running out, and it was Tommy Lee. Mm. Hey, go Oh, whoa, what the fuck, man? Fuck. Hey, man. Hey, dude. Dude, this guy's cool, man. I, I, you know, I know this guy, man. He's, he's a great band musician. He plays the tube and stuff, and, and Nick is like, oh, yeah? Oh, fuck this guy, man. I don't like the way you look or the way you dress. And Tommy was like, dude, be cool, man. Hey, man, what's your name? I was like, my name's Mark Tari. And he goes, my name's Tommy Lee, dude. I heard about you, you're a great guitar player, singer, blah, 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 blah. You come over with me. Come over to these fucking guys. <laughs> 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 so, so I'm just like, you know, and Nikki's sitting there, but it's Vince sitting there and they're kind of like, what? So, Tom and he talked for a little while and kind of explained to me what their scene was, what uh, Frank's scene was with Nikki Sixx, Frank Verano, yeah, and uh, Vince, you know, you know uh, uh, Vincent worked Well, it turns out, he tells me after we even have a couple of drinks that Vince is Chicano. They go, wait a minute. <laughs> what? He goes, I know, dude. Still dude, listening to, to that shit, bro. People are weird here in Hollywood. Just love you, bro. We're brothers now. It's cool. Ever since then, after that, wow. we were all fine. That is quite the story. Right. But that's not, I mean, I got that a lot of times. We would be walking up and down Kazari passing out flyers, and they would tell us, Bean or go home. Jeez. All the time. Uh, we don't want left-backs in Hollywood. You need to go back to where you fucking came from.
2: Wow. I was
1: like, and we were just like, we were just like, and we were like, cool, because guess who hung out with us? All the hot girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you had the last laugh then. Jeez. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, did we ever, because Sammy's Samuel, a good looking man. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, myself, I, I got by, and my, my, my drummer did. So people already knew it, so we were bringing people from the inner cities and inner cities from where we grew up in Hollywood. So we kind of had, you know, poppy with it and stuff. So we were very, um, it was a struggle to, yeah. uh, to be able to play clubs and to, uh, to come from the inner cities. And, um, you know, the only bands of color at the time were my close friends, a band called uh, uh, Sound Barrier. And Sound Barrier was the only black metal band.
0: Oh yeah, I haven't heard of them.
1: All, all beautiful black folks, right? Okay. Sweetest guy, amazing musician. I'm still friends with Bernie and and, and, and Tracy, and I still see these guys all the time. I see Bernie every once in a while. Amazing singer, and we became real close with those guys because they were doing something that no one else was doing.
0: Yeah. So did you get rattled from so, all that? Like all these people ca- calling you the names and stuff? Did you ever? Did that rattle you at all? Or did you get riled up, like getting fights or anything? Or
1: Of course we did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you win the fights? That's the, the, the important question.
1: Of course we did. <laughs> wow, you're, that's... Talking, you're, talking, you're talking some guys coming in from Montebello, burning East LA with chips on both of their shoulders. Yeah. You know, at some point, you know, wait a minute. We're not going to. We're not going to fuck with these guys. These guys mm-hmm. are cool. Leave them alone. You know. So you have to. That's how we came up the ranks that's very cool and so
0: you were friends with Molly Crew and then also I heard that uh, Gene Simmons and Paul hey, let Stanley okay. Please
1: let me say this oh sorry not only close friends but we much gigantic respect for Nicky Leader 6 Vince Neil Nick Mars and the great Tommy Lee those guys I have mad respect for because they taught me and they they brought me into their into their thing yeah because we were all just a bunch of um, you know, uh, misfits from Island of the Misfits Toys. You know, yeah. so they brought me into their thing, and you know, we became really close. Then, no, that's it was that cool. weird thing in the beginning, and, and I never, you know, when I tell the story, and I told the story. I'm sure you've heard it, and
2: yeah,
1: people get very tripped out. The room gets real quiet, and I'm just like, you hey guys, wait a minute. This is a long time ago. This, it was another, and they go, was it really like that? And I'm, well, yeah, it was. Yeah. No one's going to talk about it, but you're talking to a kid that you know is, is, is you know uh, a brown skinned man, but uh, you know Spanish Chilean and English that uh, came from the inner cities. Um, never, didn't speak a lot of Spanish, you know. Um, but um, we worked very, very, very hard and diligent, and it was a lot difficult. I feel for people of color to make it in um, at that time.
0: For sure, for sure. And then, is it true that um, that you later would audition to sing for Motley Crue? Is that a true story? Yes, it is. Can you tell me about that? Do you remember yes, that at all?
1: Like, oh yeah, um, pretty much. It's like in the, close to the height of the Bullet Boys. Me and of course, I'm very close with with, with Motley, and yeah. I'm, I love them to death still. So and um, I we don't get to see each other very often but I love them with all my heart. I still text Tommy, you know, all the time, talking back and forth every once in a while. But um yeah, there was a time where they were having trouble with Vince and uh, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Vince. Vince is a friend of mine and uh, I love him dearly. And uh, I was called in, could called me in to, you know, talk about singing in the band. We worked together a little bit as house. Or a couple of pieces, like a couple like kind of ballady type of things, and uh, you know, I, it was just hard. I, I couldn't. Um, I really wanted to help my friends, but I didn't want to leave my band. And we were, you know, coming up to this apex of our popularity. Mm-hmm. And Nikki was just like, you know, Mark, I, I just we're so close. I don't think this is gonna work.
2: Mm-hmm. We've known
1: each other for so long, and mm-hmm. I stay with just they were, and we're we're gonna find somebody, but. Can you do me a favor? Can you hook me up with um, with the singer for the screen? The guys that you had opening up for you on the picture. show series. "Oh, yeah." Hello, Johnny. Yeah, John Carabi. I love that guy. Oh. Great. Yeah, he's a great singer. Well, dude, he's a great singer. So, I I think I have had a little bit of getting Johnny involved with Motley. Oh, uh, because we we had had them and. I just got to be honest with you. John will probably tell you the same story. I discovered John Carabi at the Gazzaris when he was playing in a band called Roxanne, and I stumbled out of a, uh, a limo limousine, completely drunk and high, and walked in and heard this guy and saw this guy singing, and I couldn't I couldn't bloody believe it. He was just amazing. Wow. So I knew some the, my friends of mine from the screen were looking. Bruce Boyer, Bruce Boyer and uh, and and Johnny were looking for John uh, Berry. We're looking for a singer. Hmm. So, I saw this guy. We, we became friends. Uh, you know, I, I was just like, you know, hey, listen, I think I have a band for you to play, in, but you're going to have to leave it then. He's Like, well, well, let's talk about it, you know, whatever. So he's just I love Johnny to death. So I was able to talk to him, get John and Johnny on the phone, and they hit it off, and he joined the scene.
0: Wow. And then later, Monty, Ma- Monty, crew.
1: Yep. Which Nikki loved the screen record. And loved John's voice and his writing and that eventually put him into Motley.
0: Yeah, that was a great. I like that album with him too. I think it's a. I mean, I love all the crew yeah. albums. But yeah,
1: that record is incredible with him. I know it's it's it's, a, it's like you know it's a different path for Motley, but they worked so hard on it. I got to hear some of the. uh I was privileged to hear some of the rocks in the beginning. John yeah. was playing for me and. It, it was just incredible. We just sit in the car and, and we we literally, we were grabbing each other's legs, you know. Like <laughs> you can you fucking believe it? Oh my god! it was like, wow. dude, this is incredible. You know, yeah. I, I'm very um, when something's magical. i as a musician as a writer, it, it, it you get to that point where you're just the excitement's like, bah! you know, when you hear yeah. something that, you know, so we were, I'm still like that. So at that time, I was just I was so proud of him, you know, because wow, this guy went from here to here and, and quickly they put this thing together. And but yeah, I could never join Motley because there's only one singer from Motley Crue, in my opinion, which is Vince Neil.
2: Right. Vince yeah. is
1: the voice of Motley Crew for sure. So he's a legend, star, you know, and and my brother. So yeah. it wasn't something that. I thought that I could really go and go, man, you know, I don't think this is going to work. You know, mm-hmm. Mickey was all, It was already head of the game. He's like, no, you know, we tried it. I love you, but keep ass the band, you know. yeah. Thank you for giving us a, a thing, whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much as far as my recollection of the whole situation was.
0: That's crazy. So, and then I heard another story. I did not know this about you. I've always, I've been a Bullet Boys fan since the 90s. You auditioned for Ozzy Osbourne, or I'm sorry, you actually got the gig, uh, and you were named the new guitarist, not singer. It was guitar for this. It was right after Brad Gillis left for Night Ranger. Now I've heard three different stories, of or three different versions of this story. So one was that, uh, which I think this one is totally false. The audition was cut short because you were talking, you were raving too much about Tony Mills and saying he was the original Ozzy, and that's the singer of TNT. I, I looked into. They said that this was uh, in Rudy Sarzo's book. So I look, I grabbed his book and I looked at it, and I saw nothing of this. He said that um, that's a lie. Yeah, that's that sounded like a lie. i like never, never said that. Yeah, that sounded like no, a lie. So then I looked that's in. Really? Woo, that's yeah, a, that's, that's right that's there, right? Really out there. So I looked in the Rudy <laughs> Sarzo book, and it said that um, in Rudy's version, he says that he and the drummer Tommy, he didn't think you guys were playing the right, you were playing the right key or the wrong chords or something, and then he went to Ozzy, and um, Ozzy wanted to bring you along on the road and thought you know you'd be able to break you in, but they insisted that it wasn't going to work out. So then he called you and told you that you were out and you said it was because Ozzy told you that it was because you were too young.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know a Rudy's story, but I'll tell you one thing about Rudy. I love Rudy to death. Yeah, Rudy was there to help me the whole time I was in the band. I and mean, his wife, um, Rebecca, um, Tommy Aldridge really didn't like me too much. And, uh, I still think Tommy was a little bit uh, not really digging the fact of uh, me being Latino. So, really? I and mean, that's just me personally. Yeah, that's wow. just me personally. But uh, I could be completely wrong.
2: Yeah,
1: Ozzy and Sharon were the sweetest and nicest people and kind to me and helpful yeah. and educational. They really helped me. Ozzy took me to Charvel. He picked out two or three guitars for me. Huh. Um, he was very integral and very kind to me. Yeah, um, yeah. And I will I will never forget that. I love Ozzy with all my heart and Sharon. It, it, I didn't continue to dig. And yes, I was told by Sharon. Sharon um, had called my mother because I was supposed to be picked up on a certain day. And I had all my guitars ready. I was still living with my parents, mm-hmm. And um, we waited. And that day, nobody came to pick me up. Mm-hmm. No one called me. And then we waited another day and no one came to pick me up and no one called me. Then we waited the third day and no one called and no one came to pick me up. So I'm sitting there uh, devastated. My yeah, parents for like, what the hell is going on? So we got a call. I think it was on the fourth day and my mom picked it up and it was sharing. And she told my mother that to take Tom Mark to keep the guitars and everything they give given, Ozzy loves him, but we just feel that he's too young. And we're just getting over the fact that Randy, the whole band, <laughs> still has, you know, their hearts are are destroyed because Randy is, you know, passed away. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they talked for a little bit, and then I got on the phone, and Sharon was just like, you know, I'm so sorry, Mark. I wanted to call you, but we have to get out here to England. We have shows, and uh, we we've, we've hired a guitar player that Ozzy likes by the name of Bernie Tournay. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be doing the thing. So she, she was very kind to me. Huh. Um, now here's this young kid playing with a bunch of older dudes. Yeah. Okay. And it was, it was just, it was hard, man. It wasn't mm-hmm. easy. I thought I did. I thought I played with, I lived eight and grade those songs. I played the hell out of those songs as far as playing out of tune or anything else like that. I was never told anything like that. Um, I don't remember it being told anything like that. I just remember the phone call and me waiting for three days. And hmm. I'm looking at uh, the strap, uh, the Charvel strap that Ozzy bought me. I still have it. Hmm. Um, it's right here on my wall. So yeah, like so. I, yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, the LA Times, you know, it was like on the front page, little bling saying, you know, I got wow. the gig in Ozzy hometown. Hometown hero makes good. Yeah, oh. you know, the That's whole so thing, cool. and then all of a sudden. It was, uh, now all of a sudden it just it didn't work and um, you know I thank God for for that because it might not have been the right situation for me yeah uh, and I didn't know it because I was so young and sure. um, you know you, you never know but um, God had God had other plans for me
0: yeah so this is interesting you were, I didn't know you were friends with the guys from Rat and I, they must have been going a thing through a thing with uh, their guitarist, Warren Warren Demartini, because he was in the band, then he was out, and so they brought you in, and then you were the guitarist. I didn't know this. Also, you were the guitarist for Rat for a short little time, right? Well, not
1: really a short time. Almost a couple years. Oh, really? It was well, a couple years? Yeah. Wow. I wrote their first song with uh, myself, Stephen, and Robin Crossey, a song called You Think You're Tough. Mm-hmm. So it was their first hit song. That's and a great song. I I to write that song. So, and so you know, me and Steven so what happened was, after Ozzy, you know, I, I didn't get the gig. Yeah. I was hanging out a lot with Steven, and, who I love dearly. Definitely one of my mentors. And, you know, he heard the whole thing what happened, and he, he, he thought it was really shitty what they did to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so he goes, listen, man, I'm not feeling war right now, blah, blah, blah. We were kicking him out of the band. He goes, and I was sitting there with King Robin and then Stephen. We go, and oh, we want you. dude. you want to be a rat? That's exactly what Stephen told me. And I said, I'm in because I love, they were my favorite band. I mean, they you know, they were friends of mine, my favorite. And Stephen hired me to play and rap. So we did a lot, bunch of shows all over Southern California, everywhere. In fact, I was talking to Stephen about like three or four days ago. And we were chatting about some things and we were cracking up. Um, so we're talking about that, and uh, and you know we played all over the place. And right before we're getting ready to do the EP, Stephen had a long talk with me, and he said, "Listen, I know I, I, no. I got to let you go, and I'm going to tell you why. Your singing is incredible. You sing better than I do. Your guitar playing is incredible. I think you need your own band. You need to go form your own band." Wow! <laughs> and I was like, "What?" What are you talking about? I love you guys. You're, your first You're kicking me out of the band. And so it's like, yeah, it was a, it was a bitter pill to swallow. Huh. I and mean, it was very bitter for for Steven and for Robin because we were friends and I was like their little brother.
2: Yeah.
1: So huh. and Stephen wasn't really at that time really wasn't down too much with, with Warren. Uh, but he knew as a as a leader the decision they had to make. Yeah. To, to be able to do what they needed uh-huh. to do. And, you know, Warren's family is, you know, pretty wealthy. Um, you know, a lot of different things came into play with that. So, you know, I got, I got, <laughs> I got, I got listening to the, listening to the trees. And listen, <laughs> it only made me. Hello. It more. Okay. Yeah. It, it all, it only made me want and more. Sure. Um, you know, Stephen was still very, we were still really close. He's always, you know, invited me to the shows. And the hardest pill to swallow was watching them play in front of thousands of people. Yeah, And he's sitting there. And I'll never forget. We were, I think they were playing the, um, it's either the forum or the sports arena. Okay. And I told myself, you know what? You're going to walk up to the front of this fucking stage and make sure that they see you there. Right. Because I was like, fuck well, these guys, you know, I want to make sure that they're going to see me. If I go to the last time they've seen me, they're going to see me. And, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot. I, it's not gonna, they don't care. You know? <laughs> 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 so I'm there, the girl in the time, I'm like, come on, let's go. I'm going flip them off, man. Fuck these guys. So I walk up there, and I make eye contact with King. I walk there, and I walk right to the center of that stage, right in the front. And King sees me, points right at me, comes over to the center stage, and plays right to me. Ah. The whole time. Huh. And gave points to me, see me the thumbs up. Like, I'm playing for my bro. Huh. And I, that to me, everything to me.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: Bob, I love I loved Robin uh, Crosby. You have no idea. I, I loved him so hard. He's one of the greatest, Sweetest musicians I've ever known, and and I think everybody would tell you that. Sure. Um, of, of course, he was uh, taken away from us with uh, with drugs, and you know things yeah. happen in life. But sure. uh, he taught me so much. Uh, he taught me about guitar tone. Uh, he helped me uh, develop my guitar tone and helped yeah. me, uh, you know, simplify things. And he's an amazing guitar player, he's just amazing. And I would sit with him in his apartment and. He called me up and go, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I go, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm doing. He goes, what, what are you doing? I said, I'm coming over to your house right now. Exactly, Bones, get your ass over here, quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so <laughs> shit like that. I come in and he goes, you want some pancakes? Like, yeah, <laughs> he cooked, he cooked pancakes up for us, and he was just, he's just a big kid, you know. Yeah, but he taught me a lot and taught me to listen. That's he very goes, cool. he, he listened to listen to me, because he came up with all those parts, the route songs. I was uh, back for more, and I remember playing back for more, and, then, 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 and the chord thing, he said, no, 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 that's not the right chord, let me show you. So he would show me the chord, I go, that's trippy, that's like, that's like not even a chord, no, it's, it's these different voicings that we're using, it's like, oh, okay. So he really taught me a lot about, about guitar, Wow. Definitely. Yeah. Because he was, friends with, you know, all the you know, big guitar players and you know, Steven worked so hard bro. He he he, every day was that. Every single day. Every single day he was doing something. It that had to do with that. And that's why he made it. And I saw his diligence of how he how he became huge and I try to use the same format for it Uh with Bullet Boy from all the stuff that I learned from all yeah. All the guys were older than I was. And so there was so one. I, I get,
0: there was one more band that you joined before we get to Bullet Boys, uh, King Cobra. Who, if people don't know, yeah. they had a song on the Iron Eagle soundtrack. It was before you were in yeah. the band. But then you joined the band. yeah, And uh, you were in that what for about a year or so, year two, and
1: then you you kind of. No, I was I was more like a a scat player. I think I was in there for like about six seven months. Okay, I wasn't in the band very long.
0: Did you, and how did you, now you formed Bullet Boys with like Mick uh, and, and uh, Lonnie from uh, King Cobra. So did you, did you steal them away or did the King Cobra break up? I'm not sure how, how that all f- well, came
1: together. No, Lon- Lonnie, was my, be- Lonnie was, my be- was my best friend and, okay. um, you know, we were always hanging together and we were riding even back then. And then Lonnie got the, 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 he went to go audition for King Cobra and he got the gig. So me and Lonnie weren't really hanging out too so much because he was playing with King Cobra and local shows or whatever. <laughs> and then their um, their singer decided that he was going to quit the band. Mm. So Mark Free. Mm-hmm. And they had shows to do and all these stuff booked and he just didn't want to play in the band anymore. So Lonnie had told Carmine, my best friend Mark could sing the hell out of these songs. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's playing rap. Oh, well, he's a singer? Says, yeah, he's an incredible singer. Better than you know, he plays guitar, but he's an incredible singer. So, Lonnie calls me goes, "Come on in, audition for the band." I talked to it, Carmine, got to come in. So I said, oh, "Okay, thanks, bro." So I went in an audition, sang, and I got the gig. So, you know, we, so, you know, it's really tricky because you know you got Carmine piece is like a superstar, and you got these guys that, that have already had MTV uh-huh. videos out there. So I'm in this thing, I'm going, "Wow," you know. So. It was it was a little different. Um, I think the, the, the nicest guys, actually, to me, were Lonnie and 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 Dave, uh, David Hensley. Uh Dave Henzelin. So uh, was that the drummer? Or? The lead guitar, lead guitar, the lead guitar player. Okay, yeah. So and you know we were just doing and doing and doing and and then one day we just got kind of tired of, of um, being told what to do and you know oh. we. We had other things that we wanted to do. This was like a stepping stone for us for just for a little while, you know. Life, just be in this for a little while, and then we're going to get out of to start our own things, okay? Because he knew I didn't want to join some group. I wanted to start something fresh, a new from the ground up,
2: uh-huh. and
1: I was very adamant about it. So we ended up, you know, talking about a concert in line And go, listen, it's time to leave. Um, you know, I've been talking to Mick Sueda, and he he wants to come with us to form this new band. I was like, wow, really? Okay, so, like, cool, Nick's great, you know? He's a rad dude, and, you know, he's he drives a fucking badass car, sharp kid, you know, really had a sit together, incredible guitar player, and, you know, had a uh, diligent attitude of you know, wanting to be successful. And, um, but Dave, Dave, Dave Hensley was constantly blowing up a phone. Oh, come on, you guys, you guys gonna pick me, dude. I'm a guy, I'm your guy. <laughs> you know, I'm over this shit. <laughs> come on, man. So we were just like, no, nah, you know, we we, you know, you're a great guitar player, but I don't know, there's something about Nick. He's more like he, we're we're in this clip, me, him, me, Lonnie, and Nick. You know, uh-huh. talking all the time. Yeah, we're we're gonna leave this thing and we going form this thing. Yeah, and Nick was just a guy. He was very diligent, and you know, he was he wanted to write songs, and me and Lonnie had a bunch of songs written, and it just worked out well. And then we had um, we had this one drummer. And he, you know, he's he's been with us for a while, but he was a little hard and mm-hmm. wasn't really down with working. Oh. You know, like we really wanted to work. Yeah, and he already done all those works in different bands, and you know, and played with Billy Idol, and yeah, you know, he was just, you know, he kind of thought he was a big rock star. So who was that? Sure, was he, it somebody I know or probably not? I, I'll, oh. His name will remain nameless for the time being. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So we, we go in there and then he left us, he left the band mm-hmm. and then we started holding open auditions. We we auditioned everybody underneath the sun and uh, we had a guy in mind and then the guy came to rehearsal and we, we were going to tell him, you know, I think you're the guy to do it. And he just basically told us, you know, thanks for the offer, but I'm, I'm starting my own thing. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, why did you come audition for the band?
2: Yeah, right. You
1: know, it's like, well, I just want to see what you guys are about. You guys have, you know, there's a lot of people talking about you guys and oh. blah, blah, blah. And so we're like, what? But deep down in my heart, I knew a guy that I grew up with, uh, him and his brother. And we were close, very close. And he, he was a savant of a drummer. And his name is Jimmy DeAnda. Oh, yeah, um, great drummer. We grew up in Montebello, So we, I, I kind of basically, Jimmy, I... I got Jimmy and said, Jimmy, we have this new band. Can you please come in and, and, and audition? He said, oh, no problem. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he came in and he actually auditioned. If I'm not wrong, he auditioned, um at a house party at Lonnie's mom's house. We had a garage party. Huh. And we were jamming and he came up and jammed with us. And Lonnie was just like, hello, Jimmy, Because was first because they loved Jimmy. Jimmy, what's going on? Like, I can't jam with y'all. I said, all right, cool. So we got up and jammed with that one whatever. But after he played, you know, Mick and Lonnie were just like, this guy's really good. And I said, dude, I told you, you know, this guy's incredible. He's our guy. And, I, and I'm I'm the guy that's constantly going, forget these drummers. Jim, let's get Jimmy in here. Oh, he's too young. He's too young because he's, he's, he's 18. And he's getting ready to turn 19. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is the guy. He's he's well, You play with all these drummers. We played with Carmine. You think that this guy's better than Carmine? I said, Lonnie, if you work with this kid, he's going to be 10 times the drummer Carmine is. Well, if you think so strongly, but, oh, I guess so. So Lonnie started working with Jimmy and he'd get in and do for eight hours a day and at our, at our, at our place in Vernon called the Pitching. And, and one day it was just like, you know, we got to do this and blah, 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 blah. And from what my recollection is, and I do kind of know this, I said, I'm not moving any any way forward. Jimmy's got the gig, as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Well, I, blah, 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 I did it. After, that's crazy to play with these guys. Work with Jimmy, and he will become a savant of a drummer. And Ronnie did. And Lonnie listened to me, and he listened to Nick, and I worked with Jimmy. And Jimmy was incredible already. Mm-hmm. Let's not take anything away from that. Right. But he had to find his place of the songs that we were finding, mm. and 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 he did. Yeah, and he was just like, just, just like, wow, and you know, I remember sitting in my mom's garage sometimes, and he would be sitting there, and he goes, "Fuck you, man!" And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Just fuck, man, fuck." And I go, "What?" He goes, "I hate when you're right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you mentioned- right about
2: this. and yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, you mentioned the uh the piss room. Tell me so this is some place where you guys used to rehearse and there was bums in there and stuff and you, you kinda moved in your stuff oh, and yeah. you started rehearsing and the bums moved out and uh but some people came in. Yeah. Did...
1: Pretty much. Yeah. There was a uh it was a rehearsal studio in uh Vernon, uh which is right next to East LA, right next to Montbello, Carson. Carson's a little bit south south of it, Lonnie's Crib. But uh, I, I don't know exactly how we found it. I don't remember but I think a friend of ours down was rehearsing this there's a room open, but there's been a, somebody living in this room. <laughs> they shouldn't have been living there. Oh, God. some homeless dudes, so they go, Oh, good Are we, they're gonna yeah, they're throwing them out of there. So they threw them out. They come into this room, and I kid you not the urine smell in that room oh. was i I can't even tell you it was hell of a- <laughs> oh. It was awful. That's bad. And, and we're sitting there, the three of us, meeting Nick and Lonnie, and, and we're going, and like, goes, hell no, man. Well, there's no fucking way. And But but Nick was going, Listen, look, look at this room. This is a huge room, and this could be ours. Uh-oh, I just need some cleaning up. So Sure enough, we've got mop, buckets, mops, and clean that shit with pine saw the whole wow. place. Cleaned it. Nice. But guess what? It still smells like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny. So then how... So, so We tried diligently, and that's why we called it The Piss Room, because we kind of, it, we got it out, yeah. but I think in our heads, we could still smell it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then um,
0: you got your producer to produce the Bullet Boys debut. It was, it was originally going to be Gene Simmons, I heard, from Kiss, but then you got Ted Templeton, the legendary... Van Halen producer, so and he would give you like books to read and movies to watch for lyrical inspiration. Do you remember what some of those were?
1: Uh yes, I, I, I remember one of the movies was when it first came out was, um, uh, oh my gosh, Predator. Uh, oh, what's that, uh, love that movie! With, um, Arnold with the, the very first one, yeah, yes, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he He was always you know Ted's just a genius first of all, Ted templeman was our Sengali, our fifth member um a guy that let us do whatever we wanted to do but guided us in the right ways to he was our phil jackson for me okay um, i I think a couple of the guys would would definitely say that, but uh he us books to read you know would tell us books to read um uh, us ideas for things in movies, and that was one of the movies uh that he when he first told us, because I want you to watch this movie, but I want you to listen to the dialogue because there's things in the dialogue that are very, very interesting. And I said, I'm not going to tell you, but this is one part of the movie. Blah blah blah. You got to listen to this. So it's just something in, in that movie that that was like, oh wow, you know, it, it, it could have been some something. Just one word, and he he'd go, remember the movie? Blah blah blah. And yeah, say that one word right here. And I'd be like, oh, okay, and then that would be the a line or a word huh. in in the uh, in the lyrical content of one of our songs. Yeah. So it was always, you know, that um, I remember for the third record, um, me and Mick actually flew to New Orleans uh, to work with Grant Morris, who was like, um, he was like a B movie producer, friend of our managers, David Kaplan, but he was also a great lyricist. And, um, he had to start with some things and we went to his house in New Orleans and, um, uh, just like, cause we wanted, Ted wanted us to experience other things that we could draw from. Mm-hmm. So that's why we went there and we came up with some amazing things. I mean, yeah. that's where Seth came out of. And, uh, uh, a lot of different songs on the, on that record because of the, because of the situation that we're in and, we stayed in Grant's house, which was right there in uh, French Quarter. And uh it was just an amazing experience and we were able to do that and come up with different things. He'd always put us in different situations that would um uh breed uh uh new um verbiage, uh new uh, new visions, you know, so yeah, he was incredible.
0: Yeah, the and the album did well that. Well Obviously, Smooth Up In You was a great single. The, that song and a couple other were on MTV, and um, your debut went golden just in five months, which was was pretty quick. Yeah. And, and I found this interesting. I heard you talking about how you were uh, you were friends with Guns and Roses at the time, and you were. I, I love to be a fly on the wall during this conversation with Slash, where. He's worried about his album not selling very well, Appetite for Destruction, and you're having to kind of give him a pep talk, like, "Oh no, Slash, it's gonna be okay. Your album's gonna do great. It's a great album because your album went gold yeah. before theirs did."
1: Yes, yes, it did. Um, in fact, ours th- and, and their thing was just hanging around. And, and I remember it was like really a quick conversation because we were we were friends with them, yeah, um, and they had a lot of respect for us as we did them, but they were out way before I mean way before us mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I remember one day uh, I remember that they were having that chat and I love Slash and he's just yeah man I think they are in the water you guys are doing really well and we're going to release this one song we're doing a video for it sweet child of mine and we're going to see how it works because their album had already been out for a year and it hadn't uh, from what I understand it hadn't even hit gold yet huh. so we were just like what? because it's all over the race and we thought oh these guys it's at least a double record already. Yeah. It's everywhere. And it's like, now it's not for a year, but as soon as they released that song, it doubled it. It, it just went like wildfire. Because that was the song. And I remember Axel telling me a long time ago that they put it on there, but they didn't really want to put it on there.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. I've heard that too. And you, were, Yeah, you really he liked knows. Axel because of his, uh, his work ethic, oh, which was interesting to me him. because... Um, You know, there was such a gap between, uh, the use your illusions and Chinese democracy. Like, do you think he was working that whole time or was he
1: going through something or? You know, I think, you know, I, as a fly in the wall, I would like to think that maybe he just took a little break
2: from
1: exhaustion. Sure. I said, you know, I have a vision of something that I want to do that I haven't been able to do, but now that I, that I'm here, I'm going to be able to do it. So even if people don't like it, I'm still going to do it anyway because this is what I want to do. Right. And you know what, bro? That's rock and roll. They yeah. That's fuck rock. Oh, no,
0: that's awesome. You know.
1: And he came up with something that maybe people at the time, you know, like, wow, this is really. But if you go back and listen to it now, and you go like, wow, he was, something different and innovative. And he, you know, maybe it wasn't the right thing for the fans, but it was the right thing for him at the time. Yeah. You know, and that's what you you have to. You have to roll with the punches. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Right. And then he didn't. He, he wasn't about to fold. He's a, no. you know, he's, he's got. You know, he's like me. You know, he's he's got two. He got two chips on one shoulder and five on the other. <laughs> and you're like, I don't care what anybody's going to tell me. I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. So he did for yeah. for ten years. He played without any, anybody else. At Buckethead in the band. Everybody was saying whatever. But I always, you know. To me, I go back to the early days uh, when we used to have conversations, and and he was just so kind and so endearing, and you know, he would he, tell me stories about when him and Saul used to come and see me playing rap. Mm-hmm. You know, go, so, yeah, I and mean, Saul was right here in the front,
2: I like oh yeah, like,
1: no, you know, you've been following me for a long time, bro. It's like oh man, so there, there was this kind friendship thing. Um, uh, and, you know, back, back in the day, you know, one of my closest friends still is Timmy down. That's my brother. And I love him with all my heart. And he had a club, um, called the Cat House. Mm-hmm. And we would all go congregate down there, all of us. And I know, God, you know, we played there. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I remember one night we were, uh, I, in fact I was talking to Timmy about this uh last year at a party at my house and uh, he goes, Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and like he was Remember this little boy? He oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but we went went to the business club and you know, Ash was looking sharp, he's got a fur coat on, badass like fucking German hat on, looking suave. And I used to wear this big black cowboy hat, like came Down, little spurs I was, you know, pissed off. Carried a flask. Also carried a, you know, a nice, small gun, a little piece, with me all the time. Wow. So, because, yeah, we were gangsters. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I because wow. I'm actually laughing at myself because <laughs> I was out of control.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: So it's like you know, so I walked up and oh my, Axel tells him, walking up to goes, hey." He says. You carry a piece on you? Is that true? Like, yeah. He goes, get the fuck out of here. You want really to He's like, yeah. Can I see it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so he showed it to him. He goes, God damn, Mark, you are such a bad <laughs> <laughs> So it wasn't like open carry, it was like
0: concealed weapon then? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Oh okay. yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know, Hollywood was kind of dicey back then, huh? Right? Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. So then you did a
1: tour so, with a. Uh, uh sorry. So was- then I would we, we would go we would go to the to the place and you know, like we're getting ready to walk in the club and
2: oh.
1: and it's a hot car I put it away and Jamie's yeah, I gives you a hug, you know, hey guys, what do you fuckers do? Yeah. You know. well, well, we came in and have a drink, yada, yada, yada and 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 in actual survey Mark, Mark carries a piece and and and, and 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 Jamie's like, Is that true? He goes, Yeah. I go, you yeah, know I do he goes, Yeah. He goes, give do me a favor? Said, yeah, I said, Can I read the piece of the coat test? You know, check in with the girl she Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here I am. I wrap it in a in a in a bandana and hand it uh, to the girl and Timmy was standing right there. He gives me the thumbs up, like, thanks, dude. You know? And sure yeah. enough when I walk back out, coach that girl gives it right back to me, boom, cold right But it was like There's no the metal detectors
0: way. or anything like that at the time?
1: Oh, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I mean, at one point I just stopped doing it because it was just like, it's like, come on, man. You know, because we were the bullet boys, man. Yeah, 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 you got some we bullets were, on I you. I grew up in East L.A. Montebello. Yeah. All my friends carried gaps. What's the difference? Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I grew up in some, in a rough area. A lot of my friends did. You know? yeah. so, uh, that story always is very profound to people because they go, wow, dude, really? It's like, yeah. Did you ever use it? No. Protection.
0: Yeah, that's good that you never had to use it. Um, oh, hell no. Yeah, that's good. But so, anyways, going back to the so the '80s, your guys is one of your first tours. The first one you did was with uh, Ian Hunter, but then the other one you did that was yeah. big was a uh, Cinderella and Winger. Do you do you remember that tour? Oh, have yeah. any memories or stories that stand out about that one?
1: <laughs> oh, you know, just great great times with those guys uh, you know Tom and and uh, Freddie pulled us out there on the road, got our management, and that's why we were out there one of the greatest tours we were on. It was it's just an incredible, incredible time. You know, we threw it down really great. Time was really great to us. And uh, we were fully out of control on that tour. So thank God <laughs> we made it through that. <laughs> it was all some hygiene because us, bro. We were like the Marx Brothers on steroids. You know, was, everything was just out of control for us. And we are all trying to do something funny and, you know, just constantly doing fun stuff and you know we we just laughed a lot now we had a really
0: good time oh I bet. I bet that would be fun is it true that uh james hetfield would come to see you guys in the the bullet boys shows in the early days like he'd come and 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 cheer you on yeah, but sure. also kind of talk shit to you too yes yeah, sir absolutely <laughs> wow that's interesting
1: absolutely because yeah, it doesn't yeah, seem we like his Telecom, kind of man. music
0: i thought he liked more no, the they heart. loved us yeah
1: nah, yeah no they loved us he'd come to shows and And Jossie loved us, but Jossie gave a shit, too. (laughs) Wow. Like, I better not see a shitty show tonight, man. (laughs) Like, okay, no, 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 no. (laughs) Wow. shit, James is in the house, man. What's up? You know, he's coming walking in with his hoods. He's like, ah, yeah, what are you fuckers doing? We're going to see a good show tonight? Like, fuck, James, what's going on? I love you guys, man. Like, he was so supportive, dude. All of them, Kurt, Lars.
0: Oh, really? That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, you also talked about uh, you knew Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone and Allison Chains. You know a lot of the, uh, yes. the, those '90s bands that you you take credit yes. for kind of discovering Allison Chains, right? you were one of the first bands to have them open for you.
1: You know what? Yeah, I, I would I, I wouldn't say I take credit for the band or we take credit for the band, but I would say definitely we take credit for for bringing them in the fold. Yeah, uh, we were really close with them, uh, Jerry and Lane and, and Mikey. Uh, those were our guys. We lived with each other when they were doing their first record. We were doing Freak Show, and we all lived in the Oakwood Apartments uh, here in, in Hollywood together. Mm-hmm. I lived right across the hall from those, from those guys. So I mean, we were really close. I mean, we we, we discovered them in, in in a bar in Seattle, and I think they were doing Smooth Up, and Lang was singing, and and it just, we couldn't believe that it sounded really really good. Wow! So we talked to them after, and they were like starting their new band called Alice Chains. and Chains. We're like, dude, you know, when you guys get it together, come and open up for us when we come roll through here again. So we ended up, you know, hanging out, and we, we would take them everywhere with us, huh. all over the place. In fact, we, uh, we took Jerry and Lane when we closed the show for k 5th anniversary party. And um, uh, Ozzy was supposed to close the show, but we decided that we, were go on, we would go on after Ozzy. Mm. And everybody was giving us towel about it. Like, you're going to go on after Ozzy? You guys are a bunch of fools. Why would you do that? Well, to, little, to everybody's chagrin, Long Beach was our hometown. So the oh. 25,000 people that were there were our friends. Mm-hmm. So we knew when we stepped up on stage that they was gonna, there was going to be a war like crazy. We just knew it.
2: Yeah.
1: We were number one on every radio station at the time. And, of course, no disrespect to Ozzy. Yeah. We knew he was going to get out there and crush
2: Sure, And I'll never
1: forget, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley came off to our dressing room. Ha ha. <laughs> and you know, we know Gene and Paul, so we know Gene. Yeah, Paul. yeah. So And we were like, oh, Gene and Paul. Hi, fellas, was going on? And, and and Gene goes, uh, whose idea was it to go on after Ozzy? <laughs> They're like, we are. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we go, ah. He goes, I don't know if that's a very wise right choice. He goes, you know, you're going after a legend, and And he was right, okay. <laughs> but Paul was the Paul was like, you guys are awesome. I can't wait to see this, right? <laughs> and and then uh, he turns around to Jerry. He goes, oh, what's your name? Blah blah blah. Jared. Jared. Well, friends of the movie. Yeah, we're close friends, He goes, he uh, goes, you're in a band? Yeah. He goes, he goes, well, yeah, we're getting our band started. He goes, what's the name of your band? He goes. Uh dad's called Alice in Chains. He goes, Alice in Wonderland? <laughs> well Alice in Wonderland. He goes, I think there's always there's a movie, Alice in Wonderland. And Paul goes, I don't think he said Alice in Wonderland. And <laughs> he <laughs> goes And then Jerry, who's a badass, goes, I didn't say that, dude. I said Alice in Chains. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> wow. See, they already have the bullet boys attitude. They That's weren't letting awesome. anybody come and try to throw shade on them. Yeah, and, just, and he goes, oh, and Dean was like very, very sweet. And he goes, okay, I'm gentle. Y'all. That's <laughs> a very good. Cool. a great man. Wow. You know, but he he was just like, boom. You know, like and Gene, I love him. succeed. I just love him with all my heart. He's he's always been such a all of us in rock, especially Bullet Boys. He was wanted to see us succeed uh, when I played with the kids for a little while. He wanted to see me succeed. Uh, I've known Paul and Gene for many, many years. And uh, they were, uh, you know, Paul and Gene were the first guys to come and see me play at the Troubadour of my high school band. Wait,
0: when did you play so, in Kiss? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, for, well, you know, and it all comes down to it, I'll give Greg Jeffria, who was my main mentor at the time when I first came into Hollywood, he was the, the keyboard, keyboardist for uh, Angel. hmm And, uh, you know, Greg knew everybody and Greg just took me under his wings, man. And he, he was the one that got me the Aussie gig. He was the one that you know, got Gene and Paul to come and see me play at the Troubadour and, and sit there through the whole show and you know, everything like that. that. That's why I met David Roth and, and uh, Alex Van Halen. They came to see me play one night. So, I mean, it was like I was surrounded by all these amazing musicians and so blessed because of Greg Jeffery. Mm. Uh, my, my talent, yeah, of course a little talent that I was promoting at the time. You know, but Greg brought all these people into into the phrase so they could see me play and and he tried he constantly was trying to help me all the time with stuff and bringing me into the studio when Angel recorded and you know, he I I got the gig by Greg invited and Ozzy and Sharon up to Greg's house. And Greg called me one morning and says, I have off here, he wants to talk to you, get your house up here. So I was like, "Well, so you know, I I got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, it, it it wasn't me just being in the right place at the right time. It was the village that I had around me and and my friends and that that loved me and had respect for me and and taught me a lot of stuff, what to do, what not to do, how to lead with and dignity, how how to carry a career for years and years and years, and not just be this you know one hit and see you later mm-hmm. and." Uh, to try to, you know, minimize the drugs and the drinking to realize that that's just something that's going to be there but to not to be into this, to to be a writer, you know, uh, Greg was always pulling me into writing sessions when they had writing sessions so I got to see the ins and outs of what the, the, uh, uh, the perseverance and the struggle that they had as, as writers to, to put something together and, you know, and it's time for the needles in the band, Barry Brandt in the band, uh, you know, Punky Meadows and, they they were like kids to us growing up in Monte So I'm standing around going, Oh my gosh, I'm I'm with Angel. This is crazy. You know? So I was very star, star starstruck at the time. So yeah, yeah. I was very, really, really lucky and and blessed to have the type of people that I had around me. You know? Yeah. And you
0: also, I think it's cool that you kind of paid it back because, um, a couple of people that you've had in the bullet boys, you had uh, you were kind of the first band to have DJ Ashba in your, uh, in your band, right? I mean, that was that was not yes, his sir. first band and first big band that I that I've heard of that he was in.
1: <laughs> yeah, DJ was discovered by Ronnie Vincent and myself, and we brought him in to play guitar in the Blue Boys for a little while. He was, um, you know, he he uh, just he he had been living in L.A. for a very short time. He had a girlfriend, a tiny little apartment, and um, he was uh, he was you know this incredible guitar player, and he also was a writer. So he, he was more into mm. writing and, and uh and uh recording. So he was more of like a recording guitar player. Yeah. And me and Lonnie were listening to some of the stuff he was doing I was like, Wow, this is so good And Pussy was just a sweetheart and he was always there for us and you know he he Lonnie took him underneath his wing and, you know, was you know, he he led with love, but he also, you know, he 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 was very tough love too with him and um DJ just said, "You know, we're playing for a while," and, and DJ said, "You know what, guys? I love you guys, but I want to go do my own thing. I have, I have this idea for this record, and I'm almost done. And I, I, I gotta go pursue this. Hmm. So he had a he had a vision, but he thanked us for what, what, you know, being with us and playing and touring with us and everything else. But it just came to that point where he had to fly. You know,
0: yeah. Is that when he went to go to six a.m. or was that a different thing that he did?
1: Oh no, that's when he uh um, he wasn't even doing Guns N' Roses. He was just, he had his own thing that he was going to be doing. Okay.
0: Solo thing. Solo. Okay, gotcha. And then you had Jason Hook who ended up going on to Five yes. Finger De- Death Punch. I mean, you've had all these great people mm-hmm. in the band.
1: I love the hookster. Yeah, so the hookster.
0: Oh, okay, you got a nickname for him.
1: Yeah, that must have oh, been... Oh, no, we gave him the same. We gave him his last name, Jason Hook. Oh, he okay. and I did. Oh. That's a... yeah, his last name is Jason Princeton. Oh. But his name, his his rock and roll name ah. is Jason Hook. And me and Lonnie gave him his last name,
0: Jason Hook. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, that same album, you also had Sebastian Bach play on that Sophie record. Are you pretty good for I Give me a good Sebastian Bach story. He's so entertaining to me. I love it. He's one of my favorite singers of all time.
1: You know, I, I, you know I, I'm not very close with Sebastian. Uh, I was back in the day, but I'm not actually, as we speak. Oh. Um, but I do have a lot of respect for Sebastian and his musical talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came in and sang on a song called uh, A Neighborhood. Yeah, And uh, he asked me to come in and sing on it and he loved the song. and He came in and he was so awesome, dude. Came into the Philippine studio and we had a great time, smoked some weed. And, you know, he came in and sang the parts and, you know, I'm just going to answer to you and I'm going to do this. And then some shit fell apart with the record company and the producer and all, you know you know how things go and you know the song got put kind of aside and no one got paid and you know then one day we were just in the studio one time i was with a friend of mine he goes he pulled up the song goes man i want to mix this thing can we make can we at least mix this record it never came out Uh i go okay so we ended up mixing it and the song um neighborhood came out and people were like wow sebastian singing with mark this is so cool and you know for all intents and purposes I wish all of us were singing together and doing those type of things together now. Mm-hmm. But I think our genre of music, for some reason or another, it's just it it it's hard to do. Um, how, how would you say it? Um,
0: do Collaboration,
1: Collaborations, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love to do way more with collaborations with singers and everything. But I don't know if it's ego, or if it's management, or if it's just like oh, I don't really want to do that. Hmm. But I think it would make our genre so much. Uh, uh, how would you say it would be giving back to the to, yeah. our, to our our, well, our fans and family and friends? Yeah. I'd and like to, Listen, I'd love more to anything to do a, a, a duet with Sebastian or, or do a duet with with Axel or do something you know that no one was expecting. Uh, I personally have left my ego at the door—a big, hmm. giant door, like way far, far, far away somewhere. Yeah. For many years now um i like to tell people that i'm more um uh, more from from montebello than i am uh mark from um uh, the uh how Hollywood? you say? the uh the uh, and rock star okay. i really never really liked the, the terminology rock star sure i always like the terminology as uh, a rock musician musician or a sure. uh, writer um, but yeah, or a hair metal, I really never quite taken to those things, so yeah. Um, well, you did have, I'd like say now, yeah, go on. Sorry, you now I'm just I, I, I'm a lot different than I was back then. Um, I would say now, um, hopefully, I've, uh, I've grown. I, I still have a very uh, youthful mentality,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with vision and uh, and uh, physicality, but uh. I do a lot more listening than I do a lot talk, a lot more talking these days. When when it comes down to the get down, um, because I have so much respect for people's opinions
2: mm-hmm. and
1: what they really feel from their heart, and it's it's very important that you listen to people, especially when they're taking time, which is their time. Time yeah. is the very important things to human beings, and a human being takes time for me, whatever that time is. Even forget musically, just on uh, on a normal. Um, everyday thing, uh, it's something that you you should always know that's a blessing because yeah. no one has to give you your time. Their time.
0: Oh, that's true. Um, but I do think that you're talking about collaborations and people in your genre. But you actually kind of stepped outside your genre a little bit because you had Jesse Hughes from the Eagles of Death Metal uh, play on the From Out of Skies album, and this whole, album was also in the whole world. Yeah, and this album was yeah. also
1: recorded Not at him.
0: Uh, Dave Grohl's studio, and so you got to meet Dave Grohl, yeah. and he was a big fan of you uh, too, yeah. which I also think was very cool. Uh,
1: Listen, I'm gonna start tearing up if I have to get into this story because (laughs) I emotionally really get really spent when I talk about David or Jesse. Wow! And um, I I just love Jesse Hughes, man. Yeah, he—he's—he was definitely when nobody else, was. and uh, he took me into his tribe and taught me a lot about love and loving people unconditionally. Mm. <coughs> me.
0: I well, think that's really cool because it's two so, kind of different style. I like Eagles, Eagles, of Death Metal too, but they are you are different styles of music. So it's cool that you guys can be friends.
1: Well, Jesse grew up with my band, so did Josh. Okay, and Jesse told me that he had big posters of Los and oh. we were one of his favorite bands. You know, and, and me, I was his favorite dude. Wow. So well, well, we met. We actually met through my drummer at the time that was doing the record with me. And he was hanging out with uh, Eric Apple, Epi, mm. who is uh, my brother. My brother also, uh, who is Jesse's right hand mm. uh touring everything. It's his friend. And he said, "Listen, I'm at I'm at your I'm at your favorite front man in the world sauce right now." I go, "You've got to be kidding me!" He goes, "I'm a Jesse right now." I go, oh, I go, "Shit!" I go, "Dude, I you know I don't know him." He goes, "He loves you, dude." I just got finished talking with him. Whatever I go Can you please Play him the song Be evil And ask him If he'll come in And sing with me on it He goes Sure So The next day he calls And he goes Dude Jesse's gonna come to the studio <laughs> <laughs> And we're like Oh shit You've gotta be kidding me So I go Can you give me his number? Yeah So I called him up And we spent like two hours On the phone together And I can't wait to do it I'm in tears right now. I love you. I, I can't wait to see you. And so, yeah, we just wow. It was just like you know, and, and we're like two days apart. on our, bir- our day apart in September on our birthday. So okay. we there's a lot of like there's a lot of synergy there that we that you yeah. know we didn't really know about. So he's been wanting to meet me, and I've been wanting to meet him. So he comes and he literally comes. It was like a movie, dude. He comes walking up the street, right to our producer's house. No car, no nothing walking up like a cowboy. And I went, oh my God, this guy's my hero. <laughs> you know? Wow. Walking up, he comes up, and he just wants to, me and hugs me, and we started crying. Because, you know, everything that they've been through uh, at the, in, in Paris, at yeah. the Pond, you know, when they got attacked by terrorists, and it, 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 that, and, you know, one of our closest friends were looking for him at the time. uh their sound there, which is uh, a, 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 a very close friend, uh, with my girl Drew and so there was this you know family thing so you know I said dude you have no idea I've always, I've always wanted to meet you too me and Josh are good fans of yours we love you let's go to the studio so I, I I know the part I'm going to sing this part I'm like fuck yeah so he came in and <clears throat> to the reluctance of the producer at the time that didn't that we were we were in the process of final mixing so I brought him in at the 13th hour and he wasn't very happy about it <laughs> Then <laughs> I love him to death, you know. He's amazing, producer yeah. at Parker, uh, and and Luke that who did the record. I love him to death, and it was very difficult because we, you know, working under working under Budget and everything else, and so we finally a him into, And Jesse comes in and does a hell of a job, right? Mm-hmm. So then after we finish the session, there's like a little garden area, a beautiful garden that Rick has in his backyard, and we're kind of sitting up there, and and, and Jesse starts telling us the, the story of, of the attack, oh. and. By the end of an hour and a half, we're sitting in tears. Jesse's just emotionally spent. And, you know, I'm hugging him. And he says, I just want to thank you. I have not been able to tell anybody and share something, but I felt so comfortable around you wow. c- because you feel like family that I was able to get this out. Thank you for letting me. And I said, Dude, are you kidding me? You're, you have a friend for life, bro. I, whenever you need me, I'll be there for you. Anytime, musically, whatever. So, he pulled me in, dude, and he had me sing on, on Super Troopers 2, uh, that they uh, that the Eagle Death metal did the, uh, soundtracking for. Okay. I sang with Jesse. I sang with him on his cover record. Um, uh, I actually played guitar on, uh, on a song, uh, uh, Blinded by the Light, which mm. they did for, uh, Super Troopers 2.
2: Okay.
1: And that's me playing, that's me playing guitar on there. and you know, they just let me come in. Jesse goes, come in, the oh my God, yeah, yeah. So, he brought me into his tribe of how they work and it was so magical to me. People were so loving. They were so kind to me. Um, David Joe Katzins, I love him with all my heart because he's just a superstar and a beautiful man and showered me with love. Jenny D, uh, incredible bass player, incredible musician. Um, They just invited me in, a a drummer, everybody invited me into this, to their personal space and their tribe, and it was a big thing for me.
0: Do they have, Um, like, PTSD from that uh, shooting in Paris, or? You know. Because I'd be
1: scared to go back (laughs) on stage
0: after something like that. I don't
1: know. No, no, Jesse Hughes is a maverick, bro. Jesse Hughes is a lion, not a sheep. Jesse Hughes is a strong, strong man. One of the strongest men I know. and hes And he is so full of music and love and kindness. He's always doing something for somebody before he does anything for himself. And um, uh, then I can switch to to Mr. Grohl. Dave Grohl, Who is like, uh, proof artists are like my favorite together. I don't care what anybody tells me. Hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Loving family, they always treat people with dignity and kindness, uh, they don't have that rock star mentality, it's, it's not there at all, and uh, I was very close with, um, with Lou, their um, sound engineer at, 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 at 606, very close friends, and we were looking for a studio to go into, uh, to cut From Out of the Skies. And there was a lot of different studios around, but I kept on putting out to the universe. I wanted to be in 606, I wanted to record there. I was about it. And Lisa, give me the demo, I wanna play it for David. If David likes it, you're in. So we gave David the video, and, and the first, before we even went in there, I was able to play um, on a record that was a uh, one-time record that was for Rock Against MS. And wow. my publicist at the time, Nancy Sale, who was doing this for MS, Rock Against MS, she invited me in to cut at 6.06 because they were doing uh, a record all the top punk rock bands of the San Fernando Valley. And she said, but you're going to have to do this, Mark. You're going to have to write a song the night before and the next day you're going to have to come in and cut it. Wow, A brand new song. But I already was working on something. I said, I got it. She goes good. So we got the tune, got it together, went in and cut it at six oh six. David wasn't there, now, and I, I knew a couple of guys from the band, Tisha T, and and uh, and of course Taylor, who I love, Taylor Hawkins. Uh, we you know we, we were friends and we knew each other, and, but I I, I I never never personally met David before. Mm-hmm. So we go in there, we cut the thing, we cut the song, it sounds great, and then other bands came in and they cut their songs and then David was going to pick the running order of the album. So, he hears the songs, and, and he heard our songs, and said, wait a minute, hold on, play that, play that one. So, he heard it, and, and he made the running order, and he chose our, our song first. So, we were the first one on the record. That's right? awesome. So I was like, oh my god, he, he loved the song, he goes, I can't believe the bulletproof of the So, we really want to meet these guys. So, Long story short, I give a demo to Lou and and David hears it and I get a call like probably, probably about a week later, and I thought I was going to get to no, you know, oh. N-O. Yeah. But uh, Lou goes, he goes, hey, I got to tell you, that I, I got some good news and some bad news. I go, uh, I'm not feeling too good today. I usually take the bad news first. What's the good news? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, the good news is the guy with the beard that you love, he said, come on in. I said, oh my god, are you kidding me? said, nope. He said he loved the album that you were taking risks from this thing, and he loved it. He loved every song. Loved it. Just was completely blown away. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, get in there. And the first day, we're you know, we're getting drum sounds and everything else, and uh, he's he, he, and I'm telling the guys, you know, I'd, I'd love to see David if he's gonna come in. No, he wants to come in here. He's dying to get in here and talk with you. But he's got a bunch of shit he's gonna do. Okay, cool. So we're in there, second day. Haven't seen them. And I'm standing there, there's no one there. And we're, we're kind of closing everything up. And uh, I'm there with uh, you know uh, the two producers and, and, and Lou. And and then uh, all of a sudden, the door comes swinging open from the parking lot. Literally, boom! The door comes swinging open. I'm standing right there, and I'm like, oh shit. And he walks in and he plants his two feet and he goes, I fucking know you. <laughs> <laughs> and he has got that look and I was going oh shit is this? And he goes and he goes I go and I know you too but I, I kind of don't know you and he, <laughs> and he comes over to me literally kind of pulls over to me and, up and he goes so now you do Aww. and he picks me up off the ground what and he was just yeah he just we hug each other and he, we're laughing we go Mark I've been wanting to meet you for so long do you know we've had six degrees of separation in career and our career I go get out of here he goes dude Please take the time. I have a story I gotta tell you. So he goes in and tells me these stories, right? About yeah. that he was he lived in an apartment complex right next to me in North Hollywood. We first started the food. He knew that I drove a white truck. <laughs> it, I I don't know why to get into the story, but it was just so epic because you awesome. never know what you know. You don't know who people. You know, I'm thinking, oh, here's little old monk with the bullet Boys and wool, who cares, you know? And then it's like he just had so many stories and he just lifted me up, man. That's so awesome. It, it was just like you know, and I had tears in my eyes. I thought, you know, this man. musicians aren't always the most uh how would you say it, um, confident guys, you know <laughs> ah. You know, and when you try to do everything by yourself, you know, you got the band, but you're booking so hard and pulling and pulling and you think, you think you have something and then for somebody gives you the validity for someone that you have so much love for yeah. and they sit there and they take the time for you. Well, they don't need to take the time for you. But he told me you're supposed to be here, Mark.
0: That's awesome.
1: You're supposed to be here. He goes, and he told me the whole story why they, why they built the studio and, you know, we walked, we walked to the studio and, we, you know, and I already didn't know if me different stuff and, you know, he was just like, okay, let's go listen to music. Let me hear this shit. You know? That's great. And he comes in and he starts playing stuff and you're just like, oh my God, this is fucking great. Yeah. I no. love what you guys, love what you do. No, I so love even,
0: the Yeah, I love all the new stuff that you guys have. Um, You have the Elefante album too. I love that. I think the symphony song, I think that's, I think that's my oh, favorite Bullet you. Boys song of all time. I think that is the best song you've ever written.
1: Oh, God bless you. Thank you so much. You know, that song really has affected a lot of people. and I'm so blessed that I was able to write that and to, Make people feel a lot of love. You it's know?
0: brilliant. It's it, the, the arrangements, the song. I mean, was that a complicated song to oh, write? Because it seems like it's it's not like just like a you know a couple of chords. Like, I mean, there's like some complicated arrangements. I mean, I'm not a songwriter. I don't know, but it thank seems you. like it would be not easy to write that.
1: You know, uh, it was and it wasn't. Okay. Uh, it it was getting it was getting the, the, the lyrical content right, What people would understand. in in its simplicity where you know like it like it like you feel it it it, it pulls on your heartstrings Uh you know and I think that was a difficult thing because it's really hard to be real honest sometimes and you gotta let the honesty out Uh and I think for me as a musician as a writer that's one of the hardest things to do to be to let your heart pour out out all over the place to be honest and you know uh even from the first line, you know, the song, everyone has a tragedy yeah. or a stone broken heart. You know, that's the truth. You know? Absolutely. So in every people's life, you know, I always tell my people, always ask me, I go, I have a special broken heart. I always put my heart together every morning with super glue. But that's <laughs> just me. I've gone, through, I've gone through a lot in my life. Yeah. So uh, I, I have a stiff up, a stitch step heart. Huh. And, um, it's something that people, uh, um, it, 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 it's hard to, to listen to that. It's hard to understand that if you haven't been through
0: that. Yeah. So, no,
1: mm-hmm. it was a lyrical mm-hmm.
0: content. Of- go on. Sorry. The lyrical content. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just no, going to say, yeah, I just love that whole album. I love the song. Um, but it was around this time, uh, that I saw you in Phoenix, you guys came into a club. I don't know if you remember the story, but it was a weird, one of the weirdest concerts I've ever been to because um, you guys must have had some bus trouble or something broke down and you came in a little late and you actually, I've never seen this before. You guys walked in the front door and I was like, I think that's the band. And you guys walked into the front door. I've never seen that. And you're like, yep. you got up, you're like, yeah, they wanted to cancel the show because we had some trouble. He's like, and you're like, we're not canceling it. We we do this for you guys and we're, we're, we're going to do it anyway. So <laughs> do you remember that? Yep. Oh yeah.
1: What happened? That's what happened in a couple. Oh really? I think we had a uh, we had a bus breakdown. Oh, okay. Uh, and they wanted to cancel the show, but I think we were like an hour late or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And we hadn't done a, we hadn't done the soundtrack or nothing. We plugged right in and started playing.
0: That was yeah, it was so awesome. You walked to the front door and just got up and started playing. It was like, sweet. Yep. It was a great show. Well,
1: we never cancel shows. I don't cancel shows. I don't care what's going on. We That's never awesome. do. We have. I, I I perform with pneumonia and like I'm almost dying sometimes. Jeez. <laughs> I, I will not cancel shows for my friends and my fans i just won't do it
0: that's super cool and then
1: um, well, i'm glad you remember that dude that was wild yeah I it was crazy that. i'd never go seen ahead. a
0: band walk in the front door it was just crazy um but so now um let's bring, bring it up to speed here uh you reunion with the original bullet boys which i think is super cool you said that's not a uh, easy thing to happen there was a lot of conversation um and this is interesting you said you you kind of have to let go of the past find the common ground and start with love and respect for each other. And then you have to, this is good. You have to let the little things go. So you guys were all able to get, because I know that didn't they, the other members of the bullet boys, didn't they start a band called lies, deceit and treachery or something like that? Was that like a shot at you or something like, so you guys kind of all moved through all this stuff and just kind of let it go. I don't think it was
1: a shot at me in particular. I just think that they wanted to play the song that they left the band and they yeah. hadn't played in a long time. Okay. And, you know, I never left the band. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm the uh, owner of the trademark and, uh. you know, I, I never left, I never left the band. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I did put the band on hold for a couple of minutes, uh, with family situations, um, back in the day, but, you know, I, I put out three records in the past, what, five, six years. Yeah. Or three, five years. So, uh, you know, it's, I, it's something that, um, Bullet is is, is is my band. It's dear to my heart. It's something that I never left and always wanted to take the band and make sure that the band uh, was able to grow, uh, was able to be in in the now. Yeah. Um, and it took it was it was not easy uh, writing and and doing everything uh, basically on my own, except for yeah. the fact that I was very very fortunate that I had Nick Ross. And Chad McDonald with me for for almost 10 years. Oh. Uh, we worked very diligently, traveled all around the world together. We traveled in buses, planes, man, of course, uh, broken down bands. We did everything we possibly could to work our records and to make sure that we didn't miss shows. And in this day and age, it's a very difficult thing to do.
2: No, uh, absolutely. And to all
1: listen to each other and to you know when we're exhausted, you know, on the 12th show that we're playing. And, you know, we're all exhausted in that, you know, and, and the guys coming up to me and going, I, I don't know how you're singing so great right now. We're for a 12 show. And after this show, we're the fuck out of here and we're going to go, we're going to take two days off and we're just going to chill. Mm-hmm. We, we go to like a campground or, you know, oh, you know, okay. just like we, we just experienced a lot of different things that, uh, a lot of hard work. And yeah. uh, I was very fortunate. I had a great village around me, uh, with my girl, Jew, Giselle, uh, with my, uh, uh with my publicist Nancy, uh mm-hmm. tell mine, um, with the record label and, and, and everybody's in it, it's always um it's always a diligent struggle because it's really hard sometimes as a musician to make the other parties or the, the people that are in charge of the label whatever to let you be free with your creation. Right. Um and we were very fortunate I was very fortunate to be fine with Motown and Warner brothers where they let us do that. Oh. But, and then you get with other companies and it's kind of not as, uh, pliable or bendable Interesting. Uh, to be able to, uh, yeah, to be able to go, you know what? I know the artist wants to do this, so we're going to meet you halfway. But, you know, some people just want you to be stuck in the eighties 80s riding eighties, 80s oh. which is, which has never been me. Yeah. You know, it's never been bullet boys. we, we have always written, you know, from, uh, uh, you know, from our hearts and we're always rolling with trying to make the band not be stuck in a certain time zone.
2: Right.
0: Well, yes. Are are you guys,
1: are
0: you making a new album with the original, uh, members or an EP or something?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you. We, we are going to be releasing a single Um, Here very very soon. Cool. Uh, We're trying to keep it under wraps. Uh, But right now, you know, we have a lot of songs. uh, But it's a hard thing to do right now because, first of all, if you go and start recording a record, and you finish your record, and you release your record, you can't tour on it. Mm -hmm. Right. Not right now. Yeah. So, is it the best option to put out a new record with a reunion? and all this great stuff behind us and we don't know yet. We're kind of, you know, playing it by ear.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, I do know that we're getting ready probably next month to shoot our first video together. That, uh, in a very long time. Fun. Um, we've we've already had a performance on the monster to rock, um, uh, cruise site, which is, uh, a a virtual show. Okay. Uh, we were the first band to actually do it and to have, to be, um, in the process of inventing this with our manager, Larry Moran.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, our manager, Larry Moran, ran with it and came up with this concept. And uh, we were the guinea pigs, the first okay. band that did it. And, uh, you know, in terms of purposes, it, you know, it, it, we did really well for us not ever doing anything like that or any band, particularly, months ago, not doing it. Now, it's kind of the norm.
0: Yeah. But it wasn't. Right.
1: You know, and we were... The first one of the first bands to do it.
0: That's very cool. So,
1: um, and so we're, we're excited about that. And, uh, we're excited that I believe that we're going to be doing another virtual show. Um, uh, it will probably be in September, hopefully, okay. sometime. It's going to be more of a pay per view show. Oh. But we're also going to, we're going to try to make it like the song remains the same. Okay. So <laughs> it's going to be like a movie, but yet, uh, oh, I fun. can't really explain the whole thing cause okay. it's kind of like in secret. Okay. Thing, but we're going to try to do something that's visually, has visually has not been seen as of late. All right. Um, so some good we'll able, s- will we be able to pull it off? Um, from my lips to God's ears, hopefully. All right. Well,
0: that sounds fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You said <laughs> you've said that the lockdown is kind of easier for you because you're kind of a recluse. So are you just doing a lot of songwriting sure. and stuff? And yes, yeah, sir. Yeah.
1: You you, you also. I'm doing a lot of that and. Doing a lot of soul-searching. Soul-searching. Yeah. Uh, doing a lot of... Um, I would say that I, I'm working on um, my beautiful wife and, and trying to make sure that she uh, she is uh, taken care of and happy mm-hmm. during these times. Um, I'm trying to take care of my family and my friends and uh, trying to keep myself up also. Yeah. Um, I, I, I ran into a little bit of depression about, about three weeks ago. Uh, it's hard to deal with something when your career is taken away from you, and, mm-hmm. and live music is taken away from you, and you kind of got to re- do a reset yeah. and kind of go. Well, you know, I've done a lot of praying. I ask the Lord for help constantly huh. uh, to give me give me vision to be able to uh, uh, make sense of this whole uh, horrible pandemic and uh, horrible situations um, that people are dealing with right now, and to be a songwriter and to 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 breathe some type of uplifting uh, music that will maybe make people forget about things for the time being. And, you know, so I think that as artists and musicians, I think that's what, we're, what I'm trying to do every day and wake up and, with a positive attitude and, uh, uh, and, and not to live your life in fear. Um, mm. There's a lot of people, I think on social media and uh, I don't want listen. I'm not going to get into politics and, and get political with you, with anybody here. But I do want to say one thing. It starts with human beings. It starts with human beings and humans being. I'm going to say that again. It starts with human beings and humans being. Now, I say that because we have to grow as humans. Mm-hmm. And the way we grow as humans is to love each other no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. Now, forgiveness is hard. Trust me, it's mm-hmm. really hard to forgive. But once we reach that place of forgiveness to everybody, and not to look at people for the religious beliefs or, or, or their color of their skin or, 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 or for their nationality or, or, or what, what have you, not to be redundant.
2: Mm-hmm. But we look
1: at each other for the quality of what that human being is. And I think that we've lost that somewhere. Somewhere yeah, we've I, lost it. I've and noticed. Somewhere it became this dividing political thing. Now, yeah. I'm not here to blame presidents or, or people that are running for office or people that are in political things. But politics aside, yeah, we need love coming uh-huh. from artists like myself, other artists that is an accepting attitude, but also... A loving attitude. Yeah, do now, you think that we, we, we can accept we can accept things that are abominations mm-hmm. and things that are are against uh, the rule of God or the or the, or, or the rule of of, of of normal decency? But we can love on each other a lot more. And it's hard to love people. It's hard to love people when you can't stand people sometimes, when <laughs> they do things that are messed up. Right. And you go, "Dad, I gotta, I got to love this dude." I go, "Okay, let's get rid of all that." And, you know, you know what, man, you can come and go. No matter what else, bro. I love you, bro. Yeah. And then they go. You know what? I love you too, bro. Come here, man. I need you to hear that today, bro. Or you tell your girlfriend, or you know, yeah. or your girlfriend's their friends say, You know, honey, do you have a good day today? Oh, please call oh, my you know dad. Listen, I love you. Know that, and, and we make these calls, and we and we do, I try to do that all the time. You know, Carrie Gordon just called me the today. Mark, he stop he goes, I love you, man. I, go, I love you more. He goes, stop, stop it. You beat me. <laughs> me. You beat me. You said what, he he, what Michael used to tell me. I go, what do you mean? He goes, Michael used to tell me I love you more. He always used to get us with that. I said, oh, get out of here. So, you know, it's just like, you gotta you got to open up your heart, man, sometimes. Yeah, and it's you... really hard. I've been crushed by my personal life I don't even want to get into it. Okay. But if I can make it out, if I can get sober and going on, I'm almost 22, right? Um, and finding a way to do it. Dude, I still make so many mistakes. I say the wrong things to people all the time. I'm, 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 I'm an idiot sometimes, mm-hmm. but I make sure to say, you know what? I catch myself and go, did I just say that? Dude, I'm so sorry. that just, that's just a thing of fly And they go, Mark, I know you didn't mean that. Thank you for saying that. You know, it's like, but I try to treat people with tons of
0: dignity. Yeah. Well, even it's like you said, it's like you said at the beginning, you know, the whole thing with Motley Crue started off terrible, but then you guys ended up becoming friends. Do you think that maybe that's what the world needs right now? Like, because like you said, there's a lot of division with the politics and stuff. And I know you kind of got, you you posted something on Twitter that you kind of had to explain your side of things. I mean, can Republicans and Democrats, can we coexist in the world together or... I mean, do people need to take a side? Because I'd like everyone to be friends and come
1: together. Is that possible? There needs to be unity. There needs to be uh, uh, a give and take. There needs to be long conversations. I mean, two, three weeks of Republicans and Democrats getting together and agreeing to disagree, agreeing to agree, disagree to disagree. Take it apart. Put it back together. Take it apart. Put it back together. <laughs> when you come to terms with that, and you can logically figure this out. Now, do we have a lot of, oh my gosh, do we have a long way to go? Yeah, yeah. we have a long way to go. Okay. But, but you know what? It keeps on repeating itself. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of different entities that aren't part of this country that are causing division from other Countries that are coming in and infiltrating this country, and people are believing them. Whatever you believe, you've got to go and educate yourself. I'm very educated as far as um, my. I grew up in a political town. My father's very political. Huh. Uh, he has, you know, my, my father stage one of the first teachers to walk out of the LA City School District in the 70s. That was my dad. My dad walked out senior Chavez. My dad walked with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, uh, wow. Robert F. Kennedy, excuse me. Um, he was always taking part of those things, so I grew up seeing these. The marches were different when I was growing up. They were peaceful. Uh, they they were intelligent. They were intellectual. It wasn't a rabble. It wasn't someone screaming something out of a megaphone just so you can hear them because someone else is screaming at them. Hmm. At some point, even if you disagree with somebody, you got to listen. Yeah. Listening is extreme. You've got to close your thoughts and listen. Even if you don't like what you're listening to and you think you're still right, you're going to find something to quiet your mind as you listen to somebody else's opinion. Well,
0: you know, that's, yeah, that does seem right? to be an issue. There's people are not in listening right. to each other. They're always just trying to convince the other person that they're right and the other person's wrong instead of actually listening to the other
1: oh, person. Man. Yeah. And listen, there's a lot of people out there that, don't get me. I mean, they think this and that and the other of me. That's okay. I'm okay with yeah. it. There's a lot of people that are gonna gonna like me for whatever. Uh, uh, there's one thing I'm not though. I'm not a nitwit. I, I am. I, I, that's not in my nature. My nature is a giving nature. Uh, my nature is always. I, I, I call myself a friend, uh because I'm always absorbing knowledge. Right. I'm always absorbing it. I, I, I once you become a piece of wood and you can't. Uh, absorb anything you're for me it's, it's just a loss yeah because yeah. especially as musicians and artists we have to right. be more open than anybody we have yeah. to see everybody's side and you know everything else but you know I, and people always try to pull me into the politics now do I have a do I have political stuff or yeah of course I do, everybody does but I, I I believe more in human beings than I believe in politics yeah, me too I need to find a way a way to, to find this and it all comes down L-O-V-E. And anywhere you see it, anywhere, any process you could see it in the past, you gotta love each other. You gotta, you gotta yeah. reason with each other. The, the violence and everything else, why well, it doesn't need to solve anything. Don't, just look at, look at history, look at the past. Never solved anything. Yeah. No, uh, I agree. People that are smart, knowledgeable, really, they, they're able to solve things. And, uh, I'm, I'm beginning to see a lot of people waking up with, um, the fact that, um, that we all have to treat each other better uh, and not be so uh, politically minded. I always tell people, and, and I'll kind of end on this note. Yeah. So we don't have any rock stars anymore, or photos of rock stars, or we don't have any movie stars anymore because we all know what's going on in that camp right now. So, But we have these political stars. Mm. When has that ever happened in our country?
2: That is Never. interesting. Yeah.
1: So here you, know, you got all these political stars, and yeah, look at me, and ha ha. So I also have people, I go, well, listen, we just got to be patient because at some point, as good things end and bad things end, everything ends at some point. So yeah. just make sure that you stay diligent. know that at some point, don't believe this thing that's called the new normal. Take the new out of it. We're going to get back to normal at some point.
0: I think so too.
1: But that point is going to take diligence from not only the American people. But every person that walks the face of this earth, we're all going to have to come together.
0: Absolutely. There's going
1: to be some type of, of um, uh, you know, I'm hoping there's going to be some type of revival of love, um, a revival of common sense, a revival um, of shared diligence um, and acceptance, uh, and uh, realizing that we're all, none of us are going anywhere else. We're all in this marble together.
0: Absolutely, so one you know, thing and, uh, yeah. I like to end with a charity. is there is there I think I told your manager, is there a charity that you I know there's a few that you're involved with uh the rocking autism here. or rock against MS or, or bullying is Is there one of those you want to highlight here? Uh, Hello I'm sorry. Oh, I lost you.'m sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry yes I,
1: I would definitely say that at the top of my list. Uh, would be the autism society. Okay. Uh, and rock for autism. Yeah. Um, that is something that I am trying to be a champion of and to bring more knowledge and awareness to. Um I I would say definitely um that and uh at the top of my list as as a grade is, you know, it's just um is that
0: okay. and,
1: and, and knowledge. Autism and, and knowledge and uh, and helping children in whatever facet that it has to do with, but, but helping and saving children.
0: Oh, wow, that's awesome. Well, you've accomplished so much in your musical career. I, I look forward to more things with the Bullet Boys and whatever else you do in the future. Is there anything else you'd like to promote? Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah, you know, um, just i just like to tell everybody that I love them with, the, with my heart, and I love Great. them so hard. Thank you for being so patient uh, with the Bullet Boys, but we have things that we're uh getting ready to do and uh, uh and and i think you're going to be hearing a little something from from me probably soon we're going to be doing um a little kind of a semi press release on some things and oh, um we'll, but we're please be please be patient that we're we're you know we're trying to do things under the um uh, in the pandemic also that are, yeah. are different and and we hope to get in a room together, the four of us, sometime in October, Okay. Uh, when things have lined up a little bit, because we want to be together and uh, to come up with, uh, to finish up some of the things that we've been working on.
0: So when will the next single be out? Is that something that's already re- in the can, or is that something you're going to work on in October?
1: Yeah, no, we, we should be, uh, I'm hoping, uh, from our meetings and stuff, we're, we're looking at, uh, hopefully the second week of September, shooting a, a video. Oh, okay. And dropping some. Hopefully, dropping something by uh, the third week of S- September. My Great. birthday's on the twenty second, so I would be ecstatic if we could drop something on my birthday. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> you know, I don't okay. know. That's just wishful thinking, you know. But um, I think people are going to be really excited. Something different, yeah. and uh, uh, they're going to be very surprised when they hear this.
0: All right. Well, I can't um, wait.
1: Also... Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. So that's what I was, that's all I was saying.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anything. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and, and being so candid. It was great talking to you and listening to this. I hope you guys can do a show in Phoenix soon. I will definitely come out and see it.
1: No, absolutely. And, uh, just a little, uh, well, I think it's a precursor or a post-cursor. Anything that I spoke about in this, uh, in this interview, uh, I hope it's not offensive to anybody. I'm not trying to send anybody. I'm trying to speak with, uh, with love. I agree. And to know that the Bullet Boys are going to be bringing a lot of love to everybody. Awesome. That we, we're doing this out of love for y'all, love for us, and love for the musical genre.
0: That's great to hear. Um,
1: and also to, you know, anybody out there that wants to say, oh, you know, man, I just heard this interview. And, you know, I just want to tell you something, y'all. We need to love each other more as human beings. Sometimes you may not like what I say. And and I apologize for that, but uh, truths are truths. So, All right. You know, sometimes you gotta you gotta tell the truth, and you know, the truth will set you free. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is a great interview, and I really appreciate you uh, delving into some of the uh, some of the harder questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was really good to hear your opinions on things. I like it.
1: Well, listen. God bless you and your family. And stay blessed, stay frosty, and God bless the United States of America.
0: All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. 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 Uh, I hope that was educational for you guys as it was for me. Mark had so many connections to the rock music scene from Rick James and Smokey Robinson to Motley Crue, Rat and Ozzy, to Guns N' Roses, Five Figure Death Punch, Foo Fighters, Eagles of Death Metal. I mean, it just seems like he has a story about everyone. So I look forward to new Bullet Boys songs and videos from Mark and uh, hopefully a tour eventually. Uh, but make sure you follow the Bullet Boys on social media or check their website for updates. You can follow me on social media too if you want. I, I get lonely sometimes. I'd love to hear from you. Get your thoughts on the interview. If you really want to go all out, you can write me a review of the show. And make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time... Have a great day or a night if you're listening at night. And just remember to shoot for the moon.